Um, I'm Zara. I'm a trainee at Hamish Tut, and I'll be doing the Bible reading. Um, today we're doing Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. With all the nations will be arranged before him. He will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep on the right and goats to the left. When the king will say to those on the right, enter who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. Let it, it's, sorry, it'll be ready for you since the world foundation, and this is why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me water. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to visit. You came to me. And then the sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see, when did we ever see you hungry and fed you, thirsty and gave you water? When did we see you sick or in prison and came to visit you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you the Solomon truth. When, whenever you did one of those things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Then he'll turn to the goats the ones on the left, and say, get out, worthless goats. You are good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty, you gave me no water. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison and you never visit. Then the goats are going to say, master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and thirsty, or homeless or shivering, or sick or in prison, and didn't help? He will answer them, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you fail to do one of those things to someone who's being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. And then those sheep will be heard to the internal doom, but the sheep will be entered, will be, will be the <laughs> eternal reward. Well done, Zahara. That was excellent. Well, can I add uh, my welcome to you this morning? Uh, it's great to see so many people here. Uh, one of the good things about uh, working here is normally I'm on a Sunday, I get to stand out in the foyer and I see everybody come in. Um, and get to say good morning, and it's it's always really exciting to see uh, new people and um, different people come into the building. Um, I know this morning there's a little bit of extra excitement about the place because school starts tomorrow, and I know there's some parents that are very excited about that. Um, I'm excited... Um, and I need to say good morning to four men that have shown up today. So to Max, to David, to Damon, and to Troy, welcome. I'm really excited you made the effort to be here today. And I also just am really excited and I want to welcome uh, Nebris this morning. Nebris uh, is the mum of Yasser and Hani, who uh, do a lot around this place. Yeah. Nebris has, has been in Iraq for almost two years. She had to go back because that's what she was forced to do. Um, so she left her husband and her two boys here. And she got back last Sunday. And it's, 
it's really exciting that she's here today. So welcome, Nebris. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And I think that's a great place to start. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, uh, it's exciting that people are here, that there are new people here, that there are guests here, that there are old friends that have joined us today. Father, it's, it's really exciting that you are here. You have made the choice to be with us and amongst us this morning. We, we are so thankful that you have interacted with us this morning through, through communion, through our worship, through the people that have greeted us and served us already this morning. Father, now I really ask that we engage with you um, through, I suppose, not why words, but your words. Um, teach us something more about your heart. Uh, teach us more about what it is um, to live and walk with you. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. So this morning, um, I, I like... I like stories, and so this morning um, I've got a, a number of stories for us um, to have a look at and, and to share with you. The first story is a personal one. Uh, so before, before I started working here at Humeridge, uh, I worked in retail for a number of years. Um, I worked at a little hardware shop. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Um, so I, I work for for Bunnings for almost 16 years, um, and I, I worked in a number of different stores. I worked in a number of different roles. I, when I first started, I started as a door greeter, saying hello to people as they came in and when they left, um, and, and had the opportunity to do a lot of different things over the years and, um, and to travel a lot with Bunnings and to, to see a lot of, of different things. And during those years, I learned a lot I learned a lot about business. I learned a lot about people. Uh, you know, working in stores with 120 people, um, I learned a lot about how to work with people, how to work in a team. And I suppose the other thing is working and serving with customers, with people that came in almost religiously into Bunnings to get their Bunnings fixed. Um, and so just in different contexts, I learned a lot about people. Uh, but this morning I wanted to share a story about when I first started with Bunnings, right back at the start. Um, and uh, as with most businesses, my, my journey with Bunnings started with being inducted. And this was your usual induction. It wasn't anything fancy. It wasn't anything different that um, a lot of other businesses would do for their induction. So we, we learned about the history of Bunnings and how it started. Uh, we learned a lot about what the vision for the business was, where they were going, what they wanted to do, and what they valued as a business. Some of their values that they really wanted to underpin everything they did as a business. And we, we talked about how well they've done, the, um, some sales strategies, and so on and so on. Um, one thing that was missing, unfortunately, was there was no secrets revealed about sausage sizzles. That was, that was kept for later. However, you know, the induction was pretty, pretty standard until we got to the end, and it, it ended a little bit differently. So on the third day, we finished with a ceremony where we received our red uniforms. And at the start of this ceremony, the state manager and all the other senior leaders in the state came in, 
and they spoke at length about the Bunnings brand. Now, at this time, just the brand, just the brand. If you wanted to buy the branding of Bunnings, so um, the logo and what Bunnings was about, you could buy it for a cool $55 million. And so our state manager at that time, he spoke to us about our responsibility in protecting the Bunnings brand and about the expectations that came with the red uniform that we're about to receive. And he spoke about every time that we wore our reds, we represented something more than ourselves, that we represented the Bunnings team, and that when people saw us in our red uniform, they associated our words and actions with Bunnings. He urged us to wear our reds well, to behave appropriately when we're in our reds, and to be mindful of what our actions were saying about Bunnings. There were some very clear guidelines about things that we were not to do in our reds. Every day across Australia, more than 40,000 team members, from the managing director, the big boss, right through to the newest team, put on the same red shirt and they go to work. And to finish, as the state manager came to each of us and shook our hands and he presented to us our red shirts, he welcomed us to the Red Army. Sounds a bit cultish. A little while into my Bunnings career, not, not too long afterwards, um, I was working here at the Toowoomba store um, and I stopped at Woolies on the way home to get a couple of things. And so I was in the aisle, um, you know, trying to figure out uh, what it was that I was supposed to be buying. Um, and this old lady came up to me. Um, now, when I say old, I don't mean Graham Jones old. I mean next level, older than that, and like a really old lady. And she came up to me and she, she, she touched me on the arm and she said, can you help me find the sugar? And I, I looked at this old lady and I thought, ah, oh, look, this poor old dear, obviously because of her, her really old age, she's a bit confused and she's just starting to lose it a little bit. And so I thought, oh, look, I'll do the right thing. So I said, okay, and I took her down and we found the sugar together. Um, and, and she thanked me. She thanked me and, and was really thankful. And I said to her, look, you're welcome. That's not a problem. But actually... I don't work here at Woolies. And this old lady looked me in the eye and she said, oh, I know you don't work here. You work at Bunnings. I saw your red shirt and I just knew you'd help me. Well, this interaction with this old lady taught me to be mindful when I was wearing my red Bunnings uniform. It stayed with me and it challenged me a lot because it made me consider, did I take the same amount of care about my behaviour and my actions as a Christian? I've often wondered if I'm living, living in such a way that someone like that old lady might come up to me and say, I know you don't work here. I saw that you're a Christian and I knew you would help me. 
Well, as believers, we don't wear a visible uniform, like a Bunnings uniform. We choose to wear the name of Christ. As Christians, we have the responsibility of representing Christ. That we represent something far greater than ourselves. People's perception of Christ is influenced by our words and our actions. The Bible is very clear about us being representatives of Christ. We read it in Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we read, God has given us the task of telling people or telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representatives or ambassadors. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. I was talking um, with my daughter Zoe this week, a couple of days ago, and she's reading um, Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. And she showed me this quote, and I thought, this was perfect. This is what Rick Warren says. You are made for a mission. God is at work in the world, and he wants you to join him. The assignment is called your mission. God wants you to have both a ministry in the body of Christ and a mission in the world. Your ministry is your service to believers and your mission is your service to unbelievers. Our English word mission comes from the Latin word for sending. Being a Christian includes being sent into the world as a representative of Jesus Christ. The passage that Zara read out to us from Matthew gives us an insight into where this mission is. It's out there. Being with people. Being with them in their circumstance. It's being with the hungry. It's being with the homeless. It's being with the destitute. It's being with the sick. It's being with those who are lost. And it's, it's really interesting. In that passage, there's no mention about what we're to say. There's no mention about giving instruction. There's nothing about fixing people. There's just a direction to be with people and help them meet their needs. And in the Gospels, we see this over and over again in the life of Jesus. He was always with people. He went to weddings. He went to people's homes. He ate lunch with the despised. Jesus went to the places where he knew the sick and the outcasts would be. He noticed people when they tried to remain unseen. He fed the crowds. He went to a graveyard and he wept with the family. He defended the oppressed. We get it. 
we, we, see it, we see it really easily in the life of Jesus. And we see him doing this practical work of doing mission. But what does that look like for us? What does our mission and what does it look like for us to represent Christ? Many of you are aware that last year I took a team from Hume Ridge to Uganda. And part of our trip was supporting the ministry of, of Kuza Children's Foundation. And, and you, you know a lot about what Kuza has been doing. And most of our days while we were there with Kuza, um, the mornings we spent going to schools to speak to students or we, or we were meeting with groups in the community and organisations um, and talking with, uh, with groups of people. But in the afternoons, most afternoons, we would go out into people's homes. We would jump in the bus and we'd take food and things with us um, and Bibles and we'd go out to visit people and just spend time with people in their homes. One afternoon, uh, we, we went to visit a young man. Uh, he was not long a Christian and we went to his home to give him a Bible and to pray with him. And while we were there, we, we met this, this mum and her baby. Um, this little baby has hydrocephalus, um, which is commonly known as having water on the brain. And this condition um, is just where the body um, produces excessive fluid and, and it's trapped and it can't get away um, and it, it builds up on the brain. And this is causes um, pressure on the brain and severe swelling um, of the head. Um, and left untreated, this, this leads to, to brain damage and, um, and death. So this mum came and asked us for help. Her husband had abandoned them not long after this condition had appeared. So it was just her and a baby. And they'd never seen a doctor. There was no doctors available where they were. And she was just desperate for this, this little baby to be okay. And for us, for our team, there was, there was really very little we could do. But we gathered in a circle and we prayed for them. And so we got in a, in a circle and we got a photo of that. And, and what we were doing, would we would take turns in leading in prayer. So... Um, I looked across the circle at Kelsey. I thought it would be great for Kelsey to pray for this mum. And as I looked at Kelsey, she had tears just streaming down her face. And I went, oh, yep, she's not going to pray. <laughs> so I looked at Hayley. She was the same, just tears. I looked at Margaret. She was the same. So I went, oh, I'll pray. And so we prayed for God's intervention of this, this hopeless situation. When we finished praying, I watched as Kels went over to this mum and she wrapped her arms around her and she held her close and they just stood together and they wept. They, they couldn't speak to each other. This, this lady didn't know English. But Kels stood with this young mum and held her in her arms. She shared in her despair and her grief and they just cried together. 
That's what representing Christ looks like. Up on the screen, this is some of our gardening team. Every Thursday morning, our volunteer gardening team turns up at this place to do their thing. Uh, They make our grounds look fantastic. Even this week when it was super cold, they were here. Mowing the lawns, tending garden beds, trimming trees, cleaning the grounds. They do an amazing job behind the scenes of making this place look great. Last year, a Yazidi man, a refugee that arrived here in Australia in 2019, joined our gardening team. He's in that picture. He started showing up Thursday mornings and helping out. And our team have latched onto him as one of their own. They've shown him how to use a mower. They've pulled weeds with him. They've just worked alongside him. A couple of months ago, they invited him to come to a Sunday service. So he came. And he came the next week. And he has come every Sunday morning since. And I don't think he's here because on a Thursday morning they've had deep theological discussions or they've told him how he should be leaving his life better. I think he's here because this team have listened to him, they've accepted him, they've cared for him and he comes on Sunday mornings because his new gardening friends are here and they want him to be here. So he comes. That's what representing Christ looks like. Winnesota has been exceptional this year and and, thank you to Bob for praying again for Winter Shelter. We're almost halfway through the program for this year and I just really want to say thank you to the church for your support and your ongoing prayers. To those that have helped out and volunteered, You have been just amazing. Earlier this year, uh, one of the guests from from last year, from 2022, was interviewed about his experience from Winter Shelter. Uh, This man was was part of Winter Shelter for almost the entire three months and towards the end, he was able to secure permanent accommodation. So he's no longer homeless. And this year, he is actually helping... uh, with volunteering at some of the churches. And this man's name was Doug. And Doug had been living with his mother for a long time, but she had some significant health issues and he found himself uh, homeless and he was living out of his car. Uh, And during this interview, um, Doug was asked about how he was feeling about his first few nights at Winter Shelter. Of when he first joined the program, what was it like? What was he thinking? He talked about feeling really nervous and that he was really embarrassed and that he was feeling a little bit ashamed. And he just, he said when he arrived, he just snuck in and just tried to hide in the shadows. He talked about that he felt like he was nothing, that his self-value was at zero, it was down here. 
He thought nothing of himself. During the interview, they asked him, what was the best thing that he found about winter shelter? This is what he said. Yep, the warm beds are great. The hot food and the hot showers were really good. But easily the best thing was that the people at each of the churches sat with me and they listened. They let me tell my story and they listened. They really listened to me. I felt like they cared. When I started, I was here. But night after night, I started feeling a little bit better about myself. Every night, somebody talked to me. They were interested about me. And I suddenly didn't start to feel like I was nothing anymore. Every Tuesday night and Wednesday morning during Winter Shelter this year, I have watched our church care for and respect our guests. You have made the meals. You have sat and listened to their stories. You've made their beds. You've washed their dirty laundry. You've given them warm socks and beanies. And in a society where the homeless are often judged, where they are ignored and forgotten, you, you have shown our guests that they are value, valued and they are wanted. And I say this carefully. There are some of our guests here this morning. And I think the reason that they're here is because you've made them feel welcome, you've accepted them, and you've started to make this place feel like a bit of a home. That's what representing Christ looks like. Somewhere along the way, we developed this idea that to represent Christ, to be his ambassadors... We need to have all the right answers. That some, we, we need to be able to quote passages of scripture and that we somehow fix people. And don't get me wrong. It's important that we are prepared, that we, we understand that there are times where we give reasons for our faith. And it's really spiritually healthy for us to be familiar with and to, and to memorise scripture. This isn't where we start in our mission to a lost world. Mission starts with relationship. It begins with connection. We can think we are representing Christ if we are often speaking about him to others. But it's our life, our decisions, what we do, and probably quite often what we don't do in situations that truly speak to others the most. As ambassadors of Christ, our actions show who we represent. Our actions speak volumes more to people than what we can ever say. We must model Jesus in our living, and our message is received better when it is delivered with love, compassion, and grace. Our behaviour, 
Our behaviour should draw people towards Christ, not push them away. Representing Christ is about being there, being with people in their circumstance and standing with them in the mess of their life. A few weeks ago, Peter Ruby, the coordinator of Winter Shelter Toowoomba, he was here and he, he said this quote, and I loved it. As Christians, we don't ever reach down to help people. We only ever reach across to people. People, people equally loved by God and people, people equally valued by God. As Christians, we don't ever reach down to help people. We only ever reach across. I think Peter captured perfectly the type of attitude that we're to have when we're representing Jesus. That in doing the work of mission, we don't come from a place of being better than or as rescuers or fixers. But we come from a place of equality. That we equally need the love of Christ and we are only ever to reach across to people. So what does representing Christ look like? It looks a lot like crying with a mum about a sick child. It looks a lot like pulling weeds in the garden with a refugee. It looks a lot like having a coffee with a homeless man in the middle of the night as he tells his story. Representing Christ is all about reaching across to people. People he died for and showing them the love of Jesus through our actions. Amen.